back to another Ghost Cult Magazine podcast. I'm your host, Keefe. Today's podcast is an interview with the legend Derek Sherenian. His new solo album, The Phoenix, is out now. Check it out. And the Ghost Cult Magazine podcast welcomes in the great Derek Sherenian. Derek, how are you doing, man? I'm fine, thank you. How are you doing? Thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. I appreciate it. Uh, so really excited to talk about this brand new solo album, The Phoenix, comes out on September 18th. Uh, I have been jamming it out. It is awesome. First and foremost, of course, I like to try to keep it human as much as possible. I hope you're okay. I hope your family's well. I hope all your respective band mates are all well. What a, what a tough year. <laughs> oh, really tough year. Everyone I know seems to be healthy and um yeah, it's just a real change for everyone. And no one saw this coming seven months ago. And it's just, uh, yeah, it's pretty crazy. And I'm really hoping at some point they figure this out. And so we can all go back to work and, and go tour and, and get on with our lives, you know? Right. Literally one of my last shows before the pandemic was Sons of Apollo. So I felt my, I consider myself very lucky. Um uh, but yeah, it just seems like a lifetime ago, and it's already almost mid-August. Yeah, really weird, really weird year. <laughs> For sure. Uh, and and then of course, you know, a you know a good time to make music though. Obviously, I know you've been keeping very busy, um, and this new record is very exciting. It's really your first one in seven or eight years, which you know, Oceana was wonderful. You always come to the table, you know, with something new and exciting every time you make a new album. And I love that, you know, after all these years, you're still into challenging yourself. And I think that's where I wanted to kind of jump in and take it, you know, start there with you. Great. Well, thank you very much. Yeah, it's been seven, eight years, and um, I was focusing on other things during that time, and and just Napster and and all the file sharing and downloading really killed the record business for the for the smaller artists, especially like instrumental records. So I took a little time out from doing that a while, and then in 2016, I started Sons of Apollo with Mike. And so my creative energy was pretty much going towards that. But then I just felt an itch last year to, to make a solo record. It had been a while. And so I got a new deal and then called up Simon and we got to work and started writing over three or four days. And then we had a record. And nice. Uh, yeah, it just really turned out great. I love working with Simon. He and I just have a great chemistry and, and we push each other and, and we bring out uh, the best of each other. So very happy to work with Simon again. I love that. I think I read something in the press notes that you really consider Simon as much as a friend and appear a mentor figure, which is really fortunate. Um, you know, you're from really the last generation of guys who can pass that on to others who follow you. And it's really great that you have someone to kind of look, you know, yeah. reach up to. He is, he's like, uh, He's so wise. I mean, he's been around 10 years longer than I have in the business. And he started very young doing sessions. And he's just so musical. And and the quality control of going in the studio with him and writing and everything is just at this level of excellence. And I just want to be around that all the time. Nice. Now, I, I mean, I imagine that you probably play a little bit every day or f very often. Do you write all the time also, or is it just as you need to? 
Well, it's different modes. I mean, I'm constantly writing and I'll, I'm sitting and playing a lot of times writing and, and practicing blend into each other. Like I'll come up with something out of a practice session, but then sometimes I'll sit down to write with intent, something in mind. So it's just, you never know when you're going to come up with those little riffs or nuggets or whatever. And so you just have to always be open to when when that stuff comes to you and be sure you document it and and don't forget it right on and then do you also do you record like yourself when you get a good idea you just uh you know you're in the home studio you just press record or do you sort of see if you can remember it how does that work no i mean i'm usually in my studio so if i hear something i'll just hit record and track it and if it's really good, I'll, I'll develop it and spend time on it. Or sometimes I'll just lay it down as a sketch and then go back and listen to it later. It's amazing how far technology has come and how much we rely on it. But it, it's sometimes it really, uh, you know, is just the thing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's an advanced tool. I mean, before all the great bands, the great rock bands didn't have Macintosh and computers and, you know, Led Zeppelin and Van Halen, Aerosmith and... All those great bands figured it out without the technology. So I always revert back to that. You don't want, the technology is only a means to get you to your end. It shouldn't be the instrument that makes the music. A lot of people rely on the technology to cover up for the lack of talent or lack of um, good musical idea. Right on. I agree with that. Great sentiment. And uh, I know you said before, you know, you, you know, of course, you know, you, you've got different worlds, you have bands, you have this life as an instrumental artist, but I feel like the word instrumental album or the phrase or the tag doesn't mean what it used to mean. I think there was sort of a generation of like shreddy guitar players and there was just kind of like a lot of, uh, you know, it's kind of like a, sh a showcase for just them to shred. And I feel like your solo records have always been, as much as they've been a great showcase for your talent, I feel like they've been about the songs first and foremost, you know? Absolutely. I think that's really important because if it's just all about shredding for 45 minutes or an hour or whatever the record is, it gets old fast and it really has to have melody. If there's no vocals there, there needs to be something that's singing that melody out, whether it's a guitar or a keyboard or, or whatever. So I always, and Simon also emphasizes, we emphasize strong melodies in the music. And then you, we have solo sections where we go off and do whatever. Right on. Uh, I love some of these tracks, uh, Imperium Sky and Dragonfly and uh, Temple of Helios. These are very like grandiose, you know, some of them are very progressive tracks and some of them are just very cool. They would work as just a rock song in any of your groups. You know, I think these, these songs stand up to anything you've worked on. Oh, well, thank you very much. I appreciate that. Nice. Is there uh, any uh, particular one that you particularly love right at this moment since the record is still very new to you? Um, I haven't listened to the record in about a month since since we finished it. I'm just kind of resting. I usually do that after I make a record, just to rest my ears for a while. But I think the song Dragonfly, the piano song, is my favorite on the record. It's just so different than anything I've ever done. And it was just a lot of, uh, it was re very rewarding. 
after recording it. Nice. Uh, it definitely would be different if you hated it. I know there are bands who have told me like after like, you know, months and months in the studio, they almost can't listen to the record until it's time to go on tour. But this is right. a, a more personal project for you. Yeah, for sure. It, it would be hard if you really like put the record to bed and then hated it, right? <laughs> no, yeah, I, I wouldn't make it if I hated it. Of course, of course. There are some, but I think sometimes the process of recording can be a drag and I think maybe that like sours people on the final product, which is too bad, but I'm glad that's not the case. Yeah. So uh, I also wanted to unpack, you know, you always have these stellar guests on your albums and you know, you've played with Simon for a long time, Tony Franklin on bass. I'm glad to see Zach popped up again, but uh, it's really cool that you have like Joe Bonamassa and Steve Vai and Billy, of course. So I wanted, and Bubblefoot, I wanted to kind of ask you how you, did you write the songs with people and guests in mind or did you just kind of choose a guest after? Well, it's a little bit of both. Like I knew that Vi was going to play on this record. So I knew that, I thought that this song would be perfect for him. So as I was recording it, I was imagining him playing the melodies for sure. And then also, uh, like the song with Kiko, we wrote that together. And so if I know that someone's going to be on the record and I'm able to write with them, then that's a bonus. But sometimes I don't have the, uh, the luxury of doing that. So then I'll write and prepare a song for someone in particular. Very cool. Yeah, that song's also awesome. I, I could, how could I forget Kiko Lurero of Megadeth? He's amazing. Um, and uh, yeah, it's really cool that uh, you got these, this great color, you know, Jimmy Johnson's on there. There's such a great collection of artists. You don't really see that. I think there was a period of time in the past, probably when you were starting out, you couldn't really guest on somebody else's album if they weren't on your label, right? There was always contracts and, you know, it was frowned upon. And now I think it's like a really great free environment where you can kind of just jam with anybody. Yeah, I think it's pretty, it's pretty open. I mean, there's certain restrictions when you're signed to a contract, like, but if you're just special guesting, I, I think it's okay. Nice. Uh, I also wanted to ask if, uh, beside the fact that it's a great title, uh, the, the idea of the Phoenix conjures up so many cool ideas. Is there some personal message in that title for you or in that song? It's kind of the whole world is in ashes right now. And, and when my record drops, on September 18, it'll be like the phoenix rising from the ashes, and hopefully it'll bring some open uh, light to people. Nice. That's so, that's so wholesome. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, of course, you know, as you said, this is just everything is a wreck. The whole industry is a wreck, and I, I'm sure you had, like, a ton of touring planned and unfortunately canceled with all your projects. Have, do you have any thoughts on live streaming? Are you planning to do any kind of live stream performance, or is that kind of not for you? I don't – I'm really – that's not my thing, and I think there's a lot of people doing that, and I'll just let them do it. Nice. I hear you. Uh, it's definitely a little unnatural, I think. And the technology is not also quite forgiving or there. I just, I rather watch YouTube, honestly, as a fan. And I just don't think the whole live streaming, I'll wait. I'll wait until it's back to normal. That's fair. That's fair. Um, and then, of course, I, I of course wanted to ask, I know you produced the last Suns album with Mike. Is there any talk of the, the two of you guys working on producing other artists or just yourselves? Well, no, I do a lot of session work and, and production, mainly uh, session work. 
I just did a record for or a song on Michael Shanker's record last week, which was awesome. He's been one of my heroes. And then I was hired by Whitesnake to play on a couple of their records last year. And I do sessions for famous artists and I do sessions for up and coming artists all over the world. And that's one of the great things about technology is that people are able to send their files from all over the world. I did a session for, um, in one day I did a session for someone in Finland in Scotland and then another guy from Waco, Texas, all in one day. And what's so cool is that these files are coming to me from all over the world and in the comfort of my home and my studio with all my keyboards, I can lay down killer album quality tracks. I'm using the same gear as I use on all my records, Sons of Apollo or whoever it is. And people can hire me to play on their music and it's, turned into a great business post COVID because you can't go play shows, but there's people all over the world that dig my plane and, and want that sound on their, their records. And they're able to access me now via the internet. So I, I think it's really cool. That's awesome. Do you, do you get a lot of uh, sheet music or tabs sent to you or you just kind of, they tell you, here's the track, throw your magic on it. Always just that, what you just said. They send the track. There's no charts, nothing. I just hear it, and I do my thing. I know what to do. I've done it a few uh, thousand times. Not your first or 100th rodeo at all. <laughs> yeah, no. I just after a while, I mean, when you make records, when you do something every day for years, you, you get good at it. And I can just hear a piece of music, and I know right away if I can – you know, light it up or not. And I know exactly what sounds to use, what parts to play and, and where to solo. Tell me where to solo. And I really get a lot of enjoyment seeing the reaction of people after I play on their tracks because it's the first time that they're hearing their music with real pro keyboards on it. And it, it really makes a huge difference. That's awesome. Uh, I just have a couple more for you, man. You've been terrific. I appreciate these very candid answers. Um, you know, I always, I wonder about uh, if you're going to be able to tour when this is all over. Did you have a plan for a solo tour? I know you have so many things going on. No, well, right. I mean, we have Sons of Apollo dates on hold for, for May 2021. And so we need to honor those dates before I, I start looking at any solo dates or anything, you know, it's, there's so much uncertainty. It's everyone's just kind of on hold and waiting to see what happens. Yeah. We only played like three weeks of, of dates and we were in Europe. And then after the fourth show, we canceled the tour and, and flew home. And so it feels like, you know, we didn't even work that record at all. Brutal, but uh, it is a great record, and, and I'm I'm excited to see what you guys do next collectively, even beyond this this uh, cycle. I you know I can't wait for you to guys get back on the road and do your thing. I tell everybody like you have to see this band. The albums are amazing, but you got to see this band live. Um, oh, great! Well, thanks for spreading the word. Yeah, that's my thing, man. Uh, and then just kind of a last thing, because, you know, I, I love the opportunity to chat with you. I'm like you, an old school, pro I was a prog nerd kid. And, uh, I, you know, I think back to like the classic bands. And the thing that I really like about you that I draw that thread in from the past to now with you is that I think there was a generation of keyboard players that wasn't just about how 
technically great they were because they were some of the greats, uh, the greatest ever, but also to have kind of a, a really cool touch and a feel. And so I think mm-hmm. about guys, I know you're a big fan of John Lord, but I also think about, you know, like, t- you know, uh, you know, not just Wakeman, but Keith Emerson and John Lord and, you know, uh, Pat Mraz. I think about guys like that who are like oh, sometimes a little underrated even. Um, right. Tony Banks, you know. Mm-hmm. So I was wondering if some of the, uh, beside John, who I know you're a big fan of, uh, if any of those other guys or maybe somebody I missed mentioning is a big, you're a big fan of. I mean, I used to like um, Emerson and Wakeman as a kid, Jan Hammer was a really big influence to me. I mean, he was the first guy that soul had a definite signature style on his soloing, and he played with a lot of aggression. I loved how he sounded on um, Jeff Beck records and also a Demiola and then Mahavishnu Orchestra, which I discovered after after that. So he's one of the big influences. And I mainly take a lot of my uh, solo style influences from the great guitar players. And I blended in that with my keyboard influences and I throw it all into the stew. And that's what I come up with. I just have this really, uh, I guess as people say, it's unique. It's a different style than most keyboard players. I don't really think about it. I just do what I do. That's a good place to stop. And again, Derek, I really appreciate talking to you, man. The Phoenix is fantastic. Uh, Inside Out Music, of course, is the label. Uh, I wish you the best. Please be safe. Take care of yourself. Continue to rock it on these these parts all over the world. And, and hopefully we get our livelihood back and our lives back. And I'll see you next year on stage. All know. right. Thank you so much for your help, man. And I'll talk to you later soon. Thanks for checking out today's podcast. Follow, like, and subscribe wherever you hear these podcasts. Also check out Ghost Cult Magazine on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. And finally check us out at ghostcultmag.com. We're out. Peace.